Our scripture reading today comes from the book of James, chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. If you'd like to follow along in a pew Bible, you can find that on page 1012. James chapter 3. Please stand for the reading of God's word. James 3, beginning with verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Let us pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, we want to humble our hearts before you. We want to listen to what you have to say to us through your word. Pray that your spirit would be active in and among us to produce the wisdom that comes down from above, that we may be Christ-like in how we conduct ourselves and how we interact with one another that's worthy of our calling in the gospel. Ask for your blessing now in Christ's name. Amen. One of the more striking word pictures that Jesus used in his earthly ministry was the one from the Sermon on the Mount when he was teaching about judging others. And he said, take the log out of your own eye before you try to remove the speck from the eye of someone else. That really sticks in our memory because of this word picture he uses. But oftentimes, when we hear those words, when we read those words, we immediately think of someone else. How someone else needs to take the log out of their own eye and stop trying to pick the speck out of your eye. And that's usually the tendency of our hearts. We don't like to examine ourselves when it comes to things like this. And this really highlights a main characteristic of how pride expresses itself in our lives. It includes blind spots. Jerry Bridges, in one of the last books he wrote before he passed, he observes that one of the problems of pride 
is that we can see it in others, but we cannot see it in ourselves. So when we examine ourselves with regard to pride, it's a very precarious undertaking. It's something we're commanded to do clearly from Scripture and something we should especially do in light of coming to this table to examine ourselves. So in order to do this, we need Scripture. We need Scripture to check our blind spots and to discern the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. I want to make a few initial comments about the uh, issues of pride and humility in Scripture. We've been studying the book of Proverbs, and the Proverbs set before us two ways. You see that on the title of the message today. Two ways, and those, generally speaking, are the way of folly and the way of wisdom. And as we consider pride and humility, we are really looking at one main way that these two ways are expressed. Pride is the foolish way. Humility is the wise way. In in our scripture reading earlier from James chapter 3, it spoke of two types of wisdom. Wisdom that comes down from above, if you look at those qualities... It's largely humility. And the wisdom, how it's described from below, or an earthly, even demonic wisdom, is one that's characterized by pride. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, called pride the great sin, the great anti-God sin, which really fits with the James description as being demonic So let's begin by taking a look at the way of pride, as you see in your notes. We're going to look at how the book of Proverbs, in summary fashion, uh, how the book of Proverbs speaks and describes pride. And I want to highlight six things for us this morning. And these are all interrelated things. Uh, There's a lot of overlap here, but I want to highlight six ways that Proverbs speaks of pride. First of all, not surprisingly, it's the general trait of the wicked man. Listen to these words from Proverbs 21. Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked, are sin. Now, haughty is an older term, really just meaning exalted. Okay, Exalted eyes looking down on others and a proud heart. And it says the lamp... Of the wicked. Lamp in Jewish literature of that time often was used as a figure for the heart, summarizing the heart of a person, the lamp of the person. Jesus kind of uses that in a similar fashion in the Sermon on the Mount. Later in, in chapter 21 of Proverbs, it says, The scoffer is the name of the arrogant. Haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. Scoffer in scripture is often associated with the wicked. Sinners. So that's one general way that Proverbs speaks of pride. A second way involves an attitude of self-sufficiency. 
The prideful man depends upon himself. Listen to these words from Proverbs 26. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. He's worse than a fool. You know, Scripture often speaks of the height of wickedness as being described in terms of everyone doing what's right in their own eyes. This is a wicked thing in the sight of God. Proverbs 28, verse 26, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Now, what's the problem with trusting in one's own mind? There could be many answers to that, of course. But Proverbs also says, there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end leads to death. Paul describes the sinful man under God's wrath and his rebellion as claiming to be wise, they became fools. Now let's pause for a moment and consider a few things. According to Scripture, there is no such thing as the self-made man. I know we like to use that terminology in our culture. Not so, according to Scripture. Or we might add the self-sustaining man. It's also not found in Scripture. In fact, the Israelites, before entering the promised land, they were warned very directly by God that when they got there and ate their fill of the fruit of the land, not to say in their hearts, by my power and might, I've obtained these things for myself. So don't do that. That's false. Or as Paul says, What do you have that you did not receive? And why do you boast as if you didn't receive it? Maybe some of us this morning need to ask ourselves that very question that Paul poses to us. You know, God does not delight in self-sufficiency. He delights in those who fear him, who hope in his name, who trust him. I want to mention before moving on two subtle ways that we express self-sufficiency or pride, even in the church. The first one is prayerlessness. Prayerlessness is a form of pride. Think about it. When we don't pray, when we don't seek the Lord's help, we are saying, we don't need you. We're fine on our own. In fact, I'll let you know when I need you at some point. You know, in Scripture, we are told to humble ourselves, casting our anxieties upon Him. 1 Peter 5. It's one way we humble ourselves is to pray. And if we don't pray, we're not humbling ourselves. A second thing subtle way that we express self-sufficiency is that we avoid the corporate body of Christ. Think about that for a moment. 
it's as if we are saying to ourselves and to God, I don't need other parts of the body. My part is self-sustaining. My hand or my foot live on its own. Yet this is a body that God tells us in his word is something that he has formed and arranged for his glory and our good. Beware of those subtle forms of self-sufficiency in our lives. A third characteristic of pride is not being teachable or open to correction. Proverbs 12, 1 says it very bluntly. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. (laughs) That's pretty direct. And later it says in, in chapter 29, he who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. Not being teachable, not being open to correction is a form of pride and something that we're warned about in the book of Proverbs. Now, this can be a real problem for us if we reflect on this for a moment. This unteachable spirit acting as if we know all things. Acting as if we know not only all things, but we also know how to correct other people and give them counsel for their situation. We're really something, aren't we, to be able to do all that. Sinclair Ferguson commenting on what it means to be poor in spirit from the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount says this, There is no sadder commentary on our lack of this spiritual poverty than the readiness so many of us have to let others know what we think. But the man who is poor in spirit is the man who has been silenced by God and seeks only to speak what he has learned in humility from him. You know, in our conversations with others in the church or outside the church, perhaps the best thing we can do is listen. Ask questions about the other person. Isn't this just one way that we consider others more significant than ourselves? It's a way to express humility and love towards someone rather than bulldozing them with our own opinions. Speaking into their situation when we don't know half of what the situation is. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding but only in expressing his own opinion. A fourth way that Proverbs speaks of pride is presumption and self-exaltation. That doesn't surprise us, but uh, it comes out in many different ways. A few Sundays ago, um, Pastor Dale preached about something similar to this about the future. Uh, But consider Proverbs 27.1. Sounds a lot like James chapter 4. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. 
And James called that boasting arrogance and evil. To be presumptuous in that way. Another passage from Proverbs 27.2. Let another praise you, not your own mouth. A stranger, not your own lips. And then couple that with this, another proverb. It is not good to eat much honey, nor is it glorious to seek one's own glory. Now, wait a minute. What's the connection with eating much honey with seeking one's own glory? Well, there's another proverb that says you eat too much honey, you get sick. And you throw it up. What is this saying to us? It's saying that not only is self-exaltation harmful to us, it makes other people sick. (laughs) We all know that experience. Perhaps you're thinking to yourself, yes, I, I know people like this. I work with people like this. But I don't go around tooting my own horn or telling people how great I am. You don't necessarily have to. Sin is in thought, word, and deed. So let's probe a little bit deeper with this issue. Consider the area of social media. Do you use it to draw attention to yourself? Do you ever use it to draw attention to others other than your own family? I want to challenge this. Whether you use social media or not or just in your everyday conversations, use those as opportunities to exalt someone else, to encourage someone else, to speak well of someone else. You know, that's just another way of obeying what Paul tells us to do in Romans 12 when he says, outdo one another in showing honor. How rare is that in our day and age? How much would that stand out as a light of Christ-likeness in the midst of our culture? Thinking a little bit further, area of gossip. Isn't gossip just belittling others in some form or fashion to exalt ourselves, to make us feel better about ourselves? Exalting self by putting others down? C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, says, A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. And in context, namely God. A fifth way Proverbs speaks of pride is that pride leads to disgrace and destruction. This is a sober warning about what pride reaps, so to speak. It says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. 
Many of us have heard and quoted this one from Proverbs 16. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That brings us to our last consideration. Sort of takes that sobering warning a step further. And it's that pride is an abomination to God. Proverbs 16, 5. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. Now think for just to sort of drive this home a little bit more to us. Consider the sin uh, in the Old Testament narrative about Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, back in Genesis. The sin of Sodom and Gomorrah is a notorious sin throughout all of Scripture. It's referred back to time and time again. We think of the sin exhibited there as the epitome of evil, the epitome of wickedness. And what sin do we usually associate with Sodom and Gomorrah? It's usually sexual sin and homosexuality in particular. However, Ezekiel tells us that this was not the only sin running rampant in those cities. In Ezekiel 16, the prophet is rebuking the people for their sins and is equating them with Sodom. Calls Sodom her sister. And he says, Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, excess food, and prosperous ease, and did not aid the poor and needy. Which takes us back to last week's sermon. They were haughty and did an abomination before me, so I removed them when I saw it. Pride is an abomination to the Lord, and it deserves the same judgment that Sodom and Gomorrah experienced. That's how serious pride is. Have you ever been to the doctor for a general well visit? And you come to that point in the examination where you're sitting on the, the little uh, bed thing and, and he starts probing your abdomen area, <laughs> you know, and he's pushing on your, on your side and on your back. And, and you ever wonder, what is he doing? What's he looking for? I've wondered that. Um, I'm sure he has a purpose. And probably he's looking for any abnormalities or defects or irregularities that he can sense by touching. Things that may be harmful but we're not aware of. Scripture is like that. It probes our hearts, it exposes our abnormalities and irregularities as it pertains to our character. Perhaps like me, when you've heard all of this up to this point, you've been convicted. I don't know how you couldn't be convicted. We all struggle with these things. They lay us low when we read these passages. But I want to encourage you this morning, there's a remedy. 
There's a remedy for this seemingly incurable wickedness. Even in its most advanced stages in our hearts. It's the light of the world that shines in our darkness. And the darkness does not overcome it. When we turn our eyes to Jesus, we see a glorious, beautiful picture of humility. Contrasted with this ugly portrait that I just sketched out from the book of Proverbs. Christ is the wise and humble man. He was submissive to the Father's will. He was self-denying, not self-exalting. In his way, even through suffering, led to honor and resurrection life, not destruction. And far from being an abomination to the Lord, it glorified him to the uttermost. So as we move towards this table, remember what Paul said, our verse of the year. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And Christ's example is humility to the uttermost. Made himself nothing, humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death on a cross. Now remember the words from Proverbs 16:5 that I read earlier when it said, "Be assured that the arrogant and prideful will not go unpunished." If you are trusting in Christ alone this morning for forgiveness of sin, your pride, your arrogance did not go unpunished. Christ was punished for that pride. And if you claim him as your Lord, follow him as such in humility. But if you're not trusting in Christ alone for forgiveness of sin, nor even want him to be Lord over your life, you want to call your own shots, your pride will not go unpunished. So I would ask you, turn to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith. Be saved from your sin and come to this table in humility. One last thing that I want to leave you with to think about in terms of the beauty of Christ's character in humility. As you approach this table, Consider this, that Christ is never too good to be true. And he is always better than you can imagine. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you for your patience, your mercy, and your grace poured out for us in the Lord Jesus we are all people who struggle with pride. And Lord, you've given us everything. The most unworthy thing we could do in response is to be prideful. Lord, teach us humility. Teach us Christ-likeness. That we may walk in a manner worthy 
of our calling. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.